This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Jeff Halley in Asia Pacific. Good morning from London, Jeff. How are you doing? Great, thank you. And good afternoon from Asia. Wonderful to be here. It's been a mixed start to the week where you are in Asia Pacific. Why is that? Well, as we saw from the New York session on Friday, Omnicron concerns and a very mixed US non-farm payrolls and household employment reports led to a bit of a risk-off move in, 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 in New York. And we, and we saw particularly technology stocks get a beating. And in fact, we saw just a general move out of risk-facing assets, particularly equities. Over the weekend, we've had uh, some news out of South Africa, some initial uh, reports from health, uh, health professionals there in Pretoria, suggesting that although the Omicron variant appears to be quite contagious and is also infecting small or children and infants, the symptoms that they display have been extremely mild. Now, markets have seized on that over the weekend uh, because, as we know, markets are moving around on Omicron headlines at the moment. This one was a positive headline, i.e. it is more contagious, but it appears to be that it's going to be more mild, and we've seen some reversing of that position. And we've seen U.S. stock index futures rallying quite strongly today, particularly the Dow Jones uh, futures. So uh, S&Ps are up 0.5%, Dow Jones up 0.75%, NASDAQ less. So that's uh, given some comfort to Asia and taken the edge off that negative New York session. So we're seeing like just a small down day in Japan, whereas some of the other regional exchanges around Asia are up for the day. Uh, the only real laggard has been Hong Kong, where uh, China property sector nerves uh, surrounding Evergrande and uh, Kaisa, and also the meltdown in China technology stocks over delisting nerves and clampdowns has pushed the Hang Seng low. We saw some big losses when the Omicron story took off, Jeff. But with this optimism, do you think we're going to make back all that uh, lost ground and uh, maybe have a happier Christmas than we thought we were going to get? I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle. Now, when we look at the NASDAQ, it's actually um, uh, testing long-term support. The support goes way back to March 2020 last year, the depths of the pandemic sell-off. And other uh, stock indexes, such as the DAX, are looking very similar, the Nikkei, amongst others. I think once this Omicron is put to bed, if it is put to bed, markets' attention is now going to swing back to the federal, uh, the, the FOMC meeting next week, and where they will more than likely announce a faster pace of tapering and perhaps mention that rate hikes could be coming sooner rather than later. Certainly the markets have been pricing in the first rate hike from the Fed in mid-year of next year, followed by another one in September. So I think the Fed taper trade will then reassert itself. And in that environment, technology stocks, particularly because of their very rich valuations, are still going to struggle. So although it would be wonderful news if Omicron turns out to be... uh, less of a problem than initially anticipated and that's not a given but let's hope so uh the fed taper trade i believe is what's really going to drive markets next year and it won't be good for for stock so i I don't think we're really going to see a recovery a full recovery from this uh, recent sell-off into the end of the year and of course next week the bank of england will decide 
its latest interest rate uh, policy. Most people last week were saying there's no way there's going to be a rise in rates because of the Omicron situation. Most people a few weeks earlier said there would be. So would this news maybe change the minds of some of those Monetary Policy Committee members or nine of them? Uh, Last time it was fairly close in terms of whether there should be a rise or not. But uh, to make it five to four would probably need quite a sea change, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be enough to shift the dial. And we have to remember that markets are very reactive and they try to anticipate future price action or future decisions. They don't necessarily react at the time to what's in front of them. And so it's the market at the moment that's hoping that Omicron is going to be uh, milder than what would have been initially anticipated. But although we've had this evidence from a small sample size in South Africa, it's not enough to completely uh, disengage from the fact that Omicron could be actually a variant that is rather more serious than what we already know. We need to see more science come in on that, and that should hopefully start dribbling in over the next two weeks. But we know from past uh, behaviour that central banks tend to act with an abundance of caution in these situations. And we're going to see it tomorrow with the RBA. They won't move and they won't change their statements. And I'm sure they're going to use Omicron as an excuse. I think the Federal Reserve will keep piling in ahead because their inflation issues now are just too noisy to ignore. But certainly banks such as the Bank of England and the ECB uh, will probably use it as an excuse to do not a lot at all. And we have to remember that next week is really uh, the show with everything but Yul Brynner as far as central banks go. We've got the Federal Reserve, Swiss National Bank, Turkey, Bank of England, ECB, Mexico, BOJ, uh, People's Bank of China, Russia. Uh, the the list goes on and on. It's a big week next week for central bank decisions. Let's switch uh, subjects for a moment and talk about Bitcoin, which plunged along with other cryptocurrencies on Saturday. And that seems to be another indication of the risk aversion sweeping financial markets. It gained a little bit, I think, in the last uh, day or so, but lost quite a substantial amount leading up to Saturday. Yeah, look, I I think we're starting to see these effects of the potential sea change in the direction of uh, US monetary policy starting to seep into more than just uh, bonds and equities now. And I think think cryptos is another one that may suddenly start to feel this ill wind. On Saturday, it actually did drop over 20% and so did Ethereum. They both rallied back. They're about eight and a half, nine percent down as of this morning. Now, the thing about uh, Bitcoin and these other cryptos is that they trade on individual exchanges, but there's no one point in the crypto world that aggregates all the liquidity like there would be in, say, the foreign exchange markets or the equity market. So they tend to act as islands in themselves. So they can very quickly start having liquidity gaps if they get some strong. Uh, one-way price action and I think that's what we saw on uh, Saturday where clearly some margin stop-out calls on some leverage positions that were probably quite large got triggered and then that caused a perfect storm in that exchange and that fed through to more negative price action in the other exchanges as they caught up with that price action, that leading price action. This is one of the Achilles heels of uh, the crypto market. It, by its very nature, it's decentralized apparently, but it also means that liquidity is decentralized as well. And we that, and I think that accounts for a lot of the extreme moves 
that we do see in, in cryptos, uh, well, through its entire life, to be honest. Funnily enough, I did look at the technicals today, and the fall to the lows on Saturday was actually a very positive technical uh, signal. It held this technical 61.8 Fibonacci level uh, perfectly before rallying. And so technically, if you're a technical trader, you would look at that as a bullish signal. And so um, cryptos should continue to move higher on that basis. But I'm beginning to think that with the US CPI on Friday, which could be 7% or higher, and a potentially very hawkish uh, FOMC by recent standards next week, that cryptos are going to struggle much as equities and gold have struggled on rallies at the moment. Yeah, I was going to ask you about gold and uh, the price of oil as well. I know that oil has recovered a good proportion of the losses it's made over the last couple of weeks or so. Where do we stand at the moment with WTI and Brent and indeed with gold? Yeah, well, oil's actually rallied 2% today, both Brent and WTI. Now, Saudi Arabia over the weekend raised its official selling prices to Asian and US customers by 0.6%. In, uh, in January, and the market has taken that as a bullish sign, a sign that Saudi Arabia has extreme confidence that this Omicron uh, variant won't derail the uh, global recovery and growth and consumption of oil will continue. I think that might be oversimplifying it. I think oil's bounced today along with equities uh, on this uh, Omicron articles that have been coming out of South Africa suggesting that its symptoms are somewhat weaker than previous versions, even if it is more contagious. So I believe it's a temporary respite. But if it is true, I, I do believe we've more than likely seen the low in oil for the medium term, for the first, for potentially the next six months. Uh, if that sell-off last week uh, was at the height of the Omicron fears and those fears dissipate as the data comes in over the next two weeks, we could have seen the medium-term low for oil. So I think volatility is starting to come, uh, starting to fall again in, in, in oil. And I, I think now because it, the pricing is becoming a bit more sensible and markets aren't chasing their tails, that we can see oil move higher this week if that positive news stream continues. Doesn't seem to be affected by the Fed taper or anything like that. Gold, on the other hand, did rally on Friday, mostly because the yield curve flattened in the US, so long-dated yields fell. But gold has struggled to rally even with US when US yields are falling, and it's also struggled to rally when the US dollar is falling. Now, both of those should be positive drivers for gold prices, but they haven't. It hasn't even looked like getting back above $1,800 an ounce. And so I believe the balance of risks for gold are still for a move lower uh, into particularly next week, perhaps down to as far as $1,700, especially if the FOMC is more hawkish uh, than is what, been, what has been previously expected up until now. You mentioned that next week's incredibly busy. What stands out for you this week? Is it much quieter? Well, we've got the Reserve Bank of Australia tomorrow policy decision. We've got a Reserve Bank of India policy decision uh, on the, the day after. Um, I, I think the RBA will be completely unchanged. There'll be no, no, uh, no excitement there at all, unless they change the wording of their statement from ultra-dovish. I do believe there could be some action around the Reserve Bank of India's meeting where they may indicate that a rate hike is on the way in early Q in Q1 of 2022, 
because what we're seeing is inflation starting to creep higher there. Now, they've been in stagflation for the last couple of years, uh, but those pressures are starting to reassert themselves now as the country moves past Delta. Pretty quiet week for China. They have uh, export data on Tuesday. But really, the data is reasonably second tier this week. The only real top tier data I can see this week is Friday's uh, consumer price index, i.e. inflation in the United States. Now, that's forecast to be between somewhere between 65 and 7% year on year. If we get a number at the top end of that range, that Fed tapered trade, I believe, uh, we'll, we'll gather more momentum again, and we may see US long-dated US bonds start to rise, and I don't think it'll be a great environment for equity markets. Okay, Jeff, have a great week, and we'll speak to you again soon. Cheers. Thanks very much. Have a great week ahead. This is the Oanda Podcast.